0: Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson, and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine, and I will share with you their stories, their expertise, and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Dr. Tom O'Brien for the second time on the podcast. I recorded this podcast some time ago now, but it's incredibly interesting. We talk about brain deterioration and the link between chemicals in our environment and cognitive decline, and more importantly, what we can do about it. So without further ado, Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Ben. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Thank you so much for coming on again and um, to everyone everyone can look at your previous podcast which was number one in the series about the autoimmune fix and uh, today um i would be delighted to focus on your second book you can fix your brain so tom you you've written about autoimmune diseases and spoken about them extensively in the past why did your focus change to brain to your brain and also cognition
1: well that's a very interesting question that uh... Uh, no one has asked, and I'm surprised until now, but <laughs> it's actually an a, um, uh, important point. Why the brain? So most of us know someone who had suffered from a heart attack and survived, and they changed their diet and started exercising, and they look better than they've looked in years. Yes. Many of us know someone diagnosed with cancer who followed the recommended protocols, put the disease in remission, and they're doing great. No one knows anyone diagnosed with a brain disease who's doing great. And it terrifies us. We just don't know what to do. And it it completely terrifies us. Uh, uh, And that's why I picked the brain, that the message in the book could easily be for joint disease, rheumatoid arthritis, spondyloarthritis, osteoarthritis. Or it could be about kidney disease and nephritis and nephrotic syndrome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or it could be about diabetes. Because the mechanisms that you learn about in the book are pertinent to every degenerative disease. So this is not a, a book that's uh, uh, exclusively limited to people who are concerned about their brain rather it's a book that takes a topic that we most of us are terrified about and gives us a big picture overview so we understand and when you apply the principles in the book it goes towards your kidney disease or towards your joint disease it doesn't matter what dis-ease you have the the principles in the book are, for example, we talk about phthalates, mm-hmm. which, which are the category of chemicals that used to mold plastics. And I reference a study where they took 346 pregnant women in Chicago, and they measured their urine in the eighth month of pregnancy. And they categorized, uh, they, they measured them for five different phthalates. Now, there are hundreds of phthalates, but they just measured five, including bisphenol A, the one that many have heard about for plastic bottles and things like that.
0: Yeah, normally uh, short to, shortened to BPA,
1: which is right. listed, yeah? Right, right. And they listed the mother's amount of phthalates in quartiles. They categorized them in quartiles. Mm-hmm the lowest quartile, the next one, the third one, and the highest quartile. They then followed the offspring of those pregnancies. And when each of the children turned seven years old, they did Weckler IQ tests on them, which is the official IQ test. And they found, you know, there's not much in medicine that's all or every. This was every, every child whose mother was in the highest quartile of phthalates in urine in pregnancy, in the eighth month of pregnancy, every one of those children, compared to the children whose mothers were in the lowest quartile of phthalates, every one of the children in the highest quartile, their IQs were seven points lower. It went from 6.7 to 7.6 points lower. Now that doesn't mean anything to anyone until you learn that a one-point difference in IQ is noticeable. A seven-point difference is the difference between a child working really hard getting straight A's and a child working really hard getting straight C's. They just don't have the neural network. The brain did not develop in utero properly, and it's been inhibited in its growth in the first seven years of life. And you just have to go to Google and type in phthalates and neurogenesis, which is the geek term for brain growth and development, neurogenesis. And you see all the studies that show that phthalates inhibit neurogenesis.
0: So So, where can you find phthalates?
1: Where will people be exposed to them? Oh, good, good. I'll get to that in a minute. Let me just say, though, that you could— Look at phthalates for kidney disease Mm -hmm. or phthalates for cardiovascular disease or phthalates and joint diseases, that the studies are all there. So the topics that I bring up in the book about the brain are applicable to so many degenerative diseases. That's why I picked the brain, is because the brain is the canary in the coal mine. And uh, back in the 1800s, coal miners... Uh, would take a canary in a birdcage down into the coal mine with them when they were working. And if there was a leak, a gas leak of methane or carbon monoxide, miners can't smell that until it's too late and they collapse. But a canary will fall over off of its perch in the cage. It'll fall over dead. And so so they kept looking at the canary all day long. And if the canary wasn't visible... Someone yelled, and they ran out of there quick. The brain is the canary in the coal mine of your body right, that's so, that 's why we picked the why I picked the brain for this book
0: right. I completely understand now so you 're saying if someone's having maybe some slight cognitive impairment because I come across this all the time, some people will blame i don 't know the forgetfulness on aging, and they might brush it off as maybe a senile moment because they believe you naturally have a decline in cognition as they age. Now, I'm wondering how much truth there is in that.
1: Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely zero, except, except from the point of view of age, which with more toxin exposure. Yes. And so, yes, more cognitive decline, but not because of aging. I mean, there are many, many, many stories. I mean, my friend, Professor Michael Marsh at Oxford He retired at 74 from being one of the premier gastroenterologists in the world um, uh, with celiac disease. And then he went back to school at Oxford and got two PhDs in the next eight years. Phenomenal. Uh, Phenomenal. And you don't have to think of a world authority for these kind of examples. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases. If you read the book, The Blue Zone which is a must-read for everyone, Uh, uh, The Blue Zone. It is the book where the pedal hits the metal in terms of you want to be healthy and live a long life with a very short period of disability, you read The Blue Zones. And um, there are hundreds and hundreds of examples in that book of elders who are fully functional in their 80s and 90s, valuable members of society, still making contributions to the planet. Uh, one was a, a a cardiac surgeon at 94, still doing cardiac surgery. I mean, it's really how you take care of your car that determines how well the car runs from you 10 years, 20 years later. The same is true with your body, and especially the brain. But if you don't take care of the brain, understanding the toxins that we're all exposed to now... In today's world, that, that impact on brain growth and development and function, if we don't understand these things, which never before have our, our generations beforehand been exposed to all this stuff, your parents weren't exposed to it, your grandparents weren't exposed to it, and we'll, we'll get into all of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so many people say, oh, Doc, you know, I'm getting older. I don't remember the way I used to. Well, how old are you? Well, I'm 38 no that doesn't work (laughs) that's not supposed to be happening
0: (laughs) so what you're saying is that not only do we have the potential to prevent this kind of age-related cognitive decline by maybe mitigating or preventing some of these um toxin exposures but also we can reverse some of the decline as well if it's already occurred
1: that is exactly right that is Exactly, because every cell in your body regenerates, every cell except your teeth. Uh, Some cells are very quick, some cells are very slow, but Mrs. Patient, you have an entire new body every seven years. Some cells like the inside lining of your guts every two, three, four days, depending on what study you read, and some cells are slower, bone cells are slower, brain cells are slower, but every cell regenerates. So the question is, are you regenerating a sick cell? If your cell is sick now, are you regenerating a sick cell, a sicker cell, or a healthier cell? Mm -hmm. And and that's determined by the epigenetics around the cell, meaning the environment around the cell. What kind of environment is there? Is it a toxic environment around your cell? Now, what, what does that mean to your brain? Every newborn child in America, and I don't know, Um, uh, in Europe or in Great Britain, but I'm sure it's very similar. Every newborn child in America they check has at least 280 chemicals in their bloodstream at birth that are not supposed to be there. 280. And many of them are neurotoxins or brain toxins. Mm -hmm. Our world today, we've never had a world like this before, And uh, the numbers are just as scary as can be. The incidence of autism is going higher and higher and higher. When I came out in practice, it was one in 10,000. Now the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, just came out and said it's one in 33. Wow. And uh, at the other end of the spectrum, as Mm -hmm. opposed to children, The Alzheimer's Association came out recently and said one elder in three dies with Alzheimer's or another dementia. One in three. That means if you've got 10 people in the room, three of them will die with dementia. Mm -hmm.
0: But a lot of people will be thinking now, so, okay, there's an uh, association, but not necessarily, uh, it doesn't prove causation. What would you say to that?
1: Well, um, we, what we have to look at is why is this happening? Uh, you know, as I gave you the example of phthalates, yes. and you're, you're in the pregnancy, uh, uh, where, where do we get phthalates? Uh, the plastic blinds on the windows in our house outgas phthalates into the air. You know, If you see the sun shining through a window, sometimes depending on the angle, you can see some of the dust in the air. In the, in the rays of the sunshine coming into the house,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that dust is full of whatever is in the house. So if you have plastic chairs or plastic blinds on your windows, there's phthalates in the air that you're breathing. That stuff outgases. If you have um, furniture that has been sprayed with uh, guard, stain-resistant chemicals, Those chemicals are in the air of the house dust that you're breathing. If you've got ceiling tiles, the ceiling tiles are are soaked in formaldehyde. The formaldehyde is outgassing into the air, and that's in the dust that you're breathing. That we've never had the kinds of toxic chemical exposures so surrounding us that we have now just think of 280 different chemicals identified in newborn blood. Yeah. And, and, and that's after it's been filtered by mom, because, but that's all the stuff that's in mom that's getting into baby. So imagine as that child grows and starts eating more McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken and, and Mountain Dew and, and uh, the red dye that's in the cupcakes that they eat once in a while and all of the chemicals that we're exposed to, Um, I've never seen a study on adults as to how many chemicals are identified in the bloodstream of adults, but I'm sure it's more. Yeah, that's
0: something which I find incredibly interesting, but also frightening. And I've spoken about this before. There's a synergy between plant chemicals and the way they produce a beneficial effect on our health and a hormetic effect. But then to think that there may be a synergy of chemicals in our environment. And you've just mentioned 280 chemicals found in the baby of a mother. And that's when it's been filtered from the mother to the baby. So you wonder how, wondering how many uh, chemicals that mother has been exposed to and what long term consequences that has. And I don't believe there's a study done, but I could imagine the synergy would be there. Here,
1: here is, uh, and there, there have been some studies on that. And, where where does all this come from? It's an important concept to understand where this comes from. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., anyway. The Toxic Substance Control Act of 1976, the TSCA, is still the guiding regulations at the federal level for introduction of chemicals into the environment. And what are... Uh, the the lobbyists at the time for the chemical industry were so successful at bribing the senators and the representatives in Congress that they passed legislation that has absolutely no teeth whatsoever. What do I mean by that? In 40 years, the TSCA has regulated five chemicals or classes of chemicals. That's it. Five chemicals in 40 years. And this is the governing act, which means that manufacturing companies, chemical companies do not need to follow any guidelines at all for the chemicals they're introducing into our environment. There is no regulations that restrict them from introducing whatever they want. And this came out of the journal Pediatrics, Mm -hmm. arguably the number one journal in the English language for health care for children. And they said, and this was a policy statement in the journal Pediatrics. What that means, it's not some author writing their opinion, but rather the board of the American Academy of Pediatrics that published this policy statement that said, the TSCA failed miserably to protect children, and our children are under constant assault now. And the result is the brains of our children. 13% of the teenagers in the U.S., have had at least one major depressive episode per year, 13%. Now, what's a major depressive episode? That means they're on medications, they don't work, and this kid can't function. They can't go to school. They can't go out and be social. It's a major depressive disorder, 13%. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what's happening to our children and our teenagers and our adults. Now,
0: is and, there a causative link between these kinds of chemicals and depression and things like that that
1: you suggest? Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Uh, um, just go to Google, you know, that great library in the sky, <laughs> and type in depression and inflammation. Just do that, and look at all the studies that come up that show that uh, inflammation is the mechanism that, that is the cause for the vast majority of depressive cases because the inflammation causes the imbalance in brain hormones called neurotransmitters. It's the inflammation that causes poor production or imbalanced production of neurotransmitters, which then is associated with either anxiety or depression or schizophrenia. And so where's the inflammation coming from? When you go back and ask that question, where is the inflammation coming from that so many people Are suffering from when you realize your body is exactly the same in terms of its function as our ancestors thousands of years ago exactly the same kidneys the same liver the same heart the same lungs exactly the same well we also had the same immune system and what did our immune systems have to fight against for our ancestors Bugs, parasites, viruses, mold, fungus, and bacteria. That was it. There was no bisphenol A or high lead levels or red dye number 42 or trimethylamines. There there was none of that around that we now have thousands of chemicals we're being exposed to. So when those chemicals come into our bloodstream, our immune system trying to protect us has only six mechanisms that it can respond with. It's going to treat that chemical as either a bug, a parasite, a virus, a mold, a fungus, or a bacteria. Yes. That's all it can do. And so how does it deal with bugs, parasites, viruses, mold, fungus, and bacteria? It produces inflammation to kill the bug or to kill the bacteria. And it tries to kill the bisphenol A. It tries to kill the high mercury. It tries to kill the chlorine. It tries to kill the fluoride. And I'm sure you're getting the point. That's all it can do. And so what happens is you're in a constant inflammatory state because of the amount of chemicals we're being exposed to all the time. And the brain is the canary in the coal mine. You'll notice symptoms there first, before you notice them in your kidneys or in your heart and you get a heart attack or in your liver and you get cirrhosis or whatever other condition you might think of. You'll notice the dysfunction in your brain first, but we won't know where it comes from. And so we giggle and we joke a little bit. Oh, I guess I'm getting older. Ha ha. No, no, you're highly inflamed. Your brain's on fire. That's why it's so important to do the simple tests that are available now to identify, mm-hmm. is my brain on fire? But, okay. I'll, I'll pause there. <laughs> Say again, sorry. Uh, sorry, I was just pausing for a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I can just go on and on and on. I didn't want to no, go up on the It's can.
0: interesting. I think if you hadn't paused, I would have come in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> When you were talking about the inflammatory model, um, I actually spoke with Kimberly Wilson, who's a psychologist, and she kind of practices nutritional psychiatry. And we were debating the kind of the chemical model between the inflammatory model, and it seems to fit incredibly well into these kinds of conditions in terms of depression and psychiatric problems, et cetera. But when we're talking about chemicals, now, now, a lot of people believe that because we have a, a liver and a kidney, we don't have to worry about detoxing these chemicals because our body does it for us. <laughs> that's, that's a good one.
1: You must hear
0: this all the time, though. I do. Yeah. I do. How, would, how I, do you address this? It's really
1: easy. I said, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. It has absolutely no bearing on physiology, what you believe. Just read the science. Your body responds with an inflammatory response anytime you're exposed to chlorine. Your body responds with an inflammatory response anytime you're exposed to bisphenol A. It, it, just every time. Yeah. It's just a question of how much accumulates in your body as to how strong the inflammatory response is. And because your liver, your liver is designed like an oil filter. You eat an apple. You drop an apple on the ground. You pick it up. You wipe it off. You eat it. If there's a little dirt in the apple, you you get dirt in your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Everything you eat, when it comes through the intestines into the bloodstream, there's only one place it can go, and that's to the liver. The liver is the oil filter. Everything goes through the liver once you swallow it. If it doesn't just go out in the bowel movement, if it gets into the body, see, you know, your intestines are not inside the body. When you swallow something, imagine a donut. If you could stretch one donut out, big, long donut, that's your digestive tract. So when you swallow something, it's still in the tube. It's not in your body yet. It's in the tube. Yes. It's got to be digested and go through the walls of the tube into the bloodstream. And but once it gets into the bloodstream, the body's protective mechanism is that there's only one place that everything goes, and that's to the liver. Why is that? Because your liver is the oil filter in your body. It's got over 500 functions, but a primary one is that it's the oil filter. Well, what does that mean? Your liver is built like a beehive with thousands of little honeycombs, little little the the cells of a beehive. Mm-hmm. And each of those cells is lined with a cheesecloth. What do you call cheesecloth in Great Britain? Is it called cheesecloth?
0: I assume so. I never really use it or make cheese, Tom, so I wouldn't be able oh. to tell you definitively. Okay. Right, right.
1: <laughs> well, well, it's not to make cheese. Well, actually, it was originally. But, you know, your grandmother would pour the gravy through this cloth so only the liquid comes out the other side and the clumps yes. would stay there. Um, so. Your liver is lined with each of those honeycombs is lined with the cheesecloth so that any dirt, anything that our ancestors were exposed to would get caught by the cheesecloth. And then it gets flushed out almost like a power hose washing the uh, uh, honeycombs. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, That's your lymphatics that flush out those toxins that the liver has absorbed. It goes into the gallbladder as it's part of bile. It goes into the bile, into the gallbladder, and gets secreted into the intestines to be eliminated. That's our purification system for anything that we eat. The problem is your liver functions just like the liver of 2,000 years ago. And it's designed to protect you from bugs, parasites, viruses, mold, fungus, and bacteria just like the immune system, yes. because those are the only threats you had. And it was very effective at filtering bacteria, so it can't get into the bloodstream. Uh, it can't get past the liver or a bug or a parasite. They, the liver, was its job was to filter it. Well, the problem is when you drink water out of plastic bottles and you get bisphenol A, the cheesecloth, the screen in the honeycombs, tries to filter the bisphenol A. And those molecules accumulate, get stuck in the holes of the cheesecloth, and it just builds up congestion and congestion and congestion. Uh, why do you think a third of the population has non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? Yeah. NAFLD. It's because of the bad fats and the chemicals we're exposed to, that accumulate in the liver because our bodies can't flush that stuff out. Our livers can flush out the fats in meats easily. It cannot flush out the fats, the trans fatty acids, in French fries or in chips. Yes. It can't can't filter that stuff. So that is a primary contributor to NAFLD, which is the prerequisite to most metabolic syndromes which is the prerequisite to most type two diabetics. Mm -hmm. And it all starts because the liver can't filter this stuff and it accumulates and it throws your metabolism off. It's funny
0: that you mentioned that. I'm actually speaking at a lifestyle medicine event at King's College London Hospital to patients with NAFLD. So, and you're right, it is so prevalent and people need to be aware of kind of what kind of causes it when you're saying it's a prerequisite to these kinds of conditions that's exactly what you see not only in the literature but clinically and um, normally they come together yes so with people that are exposed to these kinds of toxins would you recommend just avoiding them would be enough to eventually eliminate them from your body or do they think they have to go through certain protocols in order to do that
1: well it depends on the individual mm-hmm. and how much accumulative damage there is and uh, how, how much uh, how much accumulated toxins are. If you test positive for accumulated heavy metals, you got to get those metals out. You have yeah. to do a detox program to get those metals out. You know, if you test positive for accumulations, or if your immune system is producing antibodies to fight some of these petroleum chemicals that we're exposed to, you got to learn a good detox protocol to get that stuff out of you. You've got to flush it out. Uh, so discontinuing the exposure as much as possible is critical. But then if you have accumulated amounts, you, you have to do a detox protocol to get it out. You know, you, you just have to because your immune system is fighting 24-7 to protect you. you got this toxic stuff in your immune system. You're constantly producing cytokines to try and fight this stuff. And then you start, and when the cytokines can't do it anymore which is called the innate immune system, then the adaptive immune system gets activated because your body's trying to adapt. There's some big threat there, and our natural uh, 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 immune fighters aren't getting the job done. So now you have to bring in the big guns. Here come the antibodies. Mm -hmm. Now your, your adaptive immune system starts producing antibodies. So when you check for antibodies to toxic chemicals, Uh, and you see you've got elevated antibodies to toxic chemicals, you've got to get those chemicals out of your body. And that's where detox programs are so critical.
0: Yes, and I'm I'm sure many people could go to their nutritional professional or functional medicine professional to kind of get diagnosed with these things. But for people at home that may be... You know, won't have this kind of um, access, or maybe it's too expensive. What kind of things or cognitive symptoms would they experience and then know that it's time to detox this? And we always say prevention is better than the cure, but this might wake people up, perhaps.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, that's a really good question, you know that <laughs> you know um, uh, that if you're looking at brain tests, you'll find it in the tests for the brain. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for liver tests, you find it in the tests for the liver. You know, if you've got NAFLD, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you've got accumulated crud in your liver. Yes. You've got to flush your liver. You know, so what kind of symptoms do you look for? And my friend, Dr. Rodney Ford, a pediatric gastroenterologist in New Zealand, answered that question so well when he was asked, well, what kind of symptoms do you look for if someone has a sensitivity with gluten? Mm -hmm. Because it's the same question that you're asking with, accumulated toxic chemicals and what what is the uh, answer the answer is anyone who is sick if you're sick your body is not capable of dealing with whatever the assault is that made you sick well what does sick mean well do you have headaches you're sick do you have uh, chronic fatigue you're sick do you have joint pain you're sick you know something's not working right so Whenever your body is not working properly and it's not an acute condition like you fell down and banged your knee and you've got knee pain for a while, but rather things that have been accumulating and building up over time and the protocols that you're doing are not working, you need to, and as you as you start studying this, it drops your jaw how prevalent it is. But what you learn is these accumulated toxins, like no people in history have had to deal with before no humans have had to deal with this the way we do now every day of our lives you know it used to be i mean we knew back in the 1980s that the one profession that seemed to have more parkinson's than anybody else were landscape people because landscape people are dealing with toxic chemicals every day Mm -hmm. on the lawn and around the flower beds and all that and they tend to get parkinson's Well, so that was one of the first um, occupational hazards that we saw. And then in the 1990s, we saw the children of firefighters often had much more asthma than children whose parents were not firefighters. Why? Because the firefighters bring the clothing home that they wear when they're fighting fires, and mom puts them in the washer to wash the clothes with the rest of the family clothes. And many of these chemicals don't get out of the clothing by washing them. There's residue left, and it gets into the kids' clothing, and they're breathing it when they put their shirt on. Mm -hmm. And over time, the minor amount of accumulative chemicals gives these kids asthma. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Just look around the house that you're currently in, uh, for those that are listening to this. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, driving your car. What's made of plastic? Anything that's made of plastic is outgassing phthalates into the air. Now, there is no evidence that the amount of phthalates outgassing into the air from these plastic chairs is toxic to humans. That's how they get away with this stuff. That's what the TSCA, uh, the legislation passed. There is no evidence that any of this stuff is toxic to humans. But this stuff accumulates in your body for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Now you've got high levels of phthalates. And that's why the mothers that had the highest level of phthalates in their urine in pregnancy, their kids, seven points lower IQ, because those mothers had accumulated so much more of these toxins in their bloodstream mm-hmm. over, and in their bodies over the years. That was just, uh, it's an accumulative thing. Uh, the same is true. You know, there was a government study in, uh, it was either Finland or Norway, I don't remember now, um, that the topic was, should we recommend women do not breastfeed in a first pregnancy? Yes. Like, what?
0: What? Yeah, I remember this study, and I was absolutely astonished that they were, they were thinking of doing it because it's normally like the, um, it's the first milk I think they were worried about as well, so like the most beneficial exactly milk because right. it's potentially got more toxins in it as well.
1: Um, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So the, uh, uh, why, why is that? Well, um, women, uh, people in those countries eat a lot of fish. Well, that's healthy for you. But the fish come from the fjords. The fjords are long and narrow. The farmers have been using pesticides, DDT, PCBs, mercury lacing for decades and decades and decades. The rain washes the pesticide residue into the streams that go into the rivers, that go into the fjords, that go into the fish. You eat the fish. Now, there's no evidence that the amount of pesticides or DDT or PCBs in fish is toxic to humans. There is no evidence of that. And that's how they get away with it. But it's accumulative. Now, give me a woman, 28 years old, who's been eating fish for 25 years and has been accumulating minor amounts of PCBs or DDT or phthalates. Now, she gets pregnant. Now, These chemicals are called endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Mm -hmm. Why are are they called that? EDCs, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, because they alter estrogen and testosterone function. How do they do that? They bind onto estrogen and testosterone receptor sites. Where are they? They're in the estrogen and testosterone-loving tissue, like the breasts, the ovaries, the uterus, the testes. So the testes, the uterus, the ovaries, the breasts accumulate these chemicals in minor amounts for decades. Now you take a 28-year-old woman. She gets pregnant. She has a hopefully healthy pregnancy and a healthy delivery. And just before delivery, the body sends a message down to the breasts. Okay, breasts, mammary cells, let's start making some milk here. Baby's about to come. We've got to feed them. Where does the milk come from? The mammary cells of the breast. What are the mammary cells of the breast full of? DDT, PCBs, mercury, all of these different chemicals that they're full of. And so now mom has a healthy delivery, but mom now the first three to five days of mother's milk is colostrum. It's not breast milk, it's colostrum. Mm -hmm. And it's loaded with these toxic chemicals. So this study went on for almost two and a half years. It was supposed to be six months but went on for quite a while. Why? Because there was so much politics around this, so much. What was the result? The committee came out and said, no, no, it's more important to breastfeed than not, and that's because there was a lot of chemical industry lobbying for that. And I personally agree. It's more important to breastfeed than that. However, all women of childbearing age need to detox their breasts before they get pregnant not during the pregnancy before they get pregnant get that crud out of there so
0: in terms would that be a detox protocol how 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 would they do that let's go for practical tips now a let's start with how would they get the crud out there and b like how do you avoid these chemicals to begin with on a day-to-day basis
1: Oh Ben, that's uh, that's a uh, like another a podcast three, in itself. Three hour it? w- workshop <laughs> in how to do it. Yeah, it is. Okay. Right. Well,
0: how but, about what can people do in their daily lives to minimize exposure? Because I know yes. we say it's well, in everything. You've talked about it. it's in the furniture and things of this nature. But like, what are practical tips that people can come away with and be like, right? This is something course. I can implement today.
1: Of course, of course, and they're all outlined in the book. You can Absolutely. fix your brain. They're all there. You know, uh, but that, here's, here's your some
0: examples. Um, sorry to interrupt you, Tom, but your yeah. book, You Can Fix Your Your Brain, I selfishly bought because I remember it said, like, imp- you improve your, it's like your best productivity, memory, and sleep that you've ever had or something. The best productivity, memory, right. and sleep that you've ever had. And I was like, yep, yeah, I definitely need this book.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So. Uh, yeah, right. And the the, the subtitle is, just one hour a week to the best memory sleep you've ever had. Yeah, and, and the reason for that, the, the, that's not a cute subtitle. That's the only way to be successful at this is one hour a week. Because what you're going to learn in the book is overwhelming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just so overwhelming. You become immobilized. You can't do anything. But this is how you do it to be successful. Is All right, every Tuesday night after dinner, or every Sunday morning after services, whenever it is. But you tell your family, you announce that every week, I'm gonna take one hour and I'm going to study and apply some principles so that we can be a healthier family. For example, when you learn that plastic food storage containers leach phthalates into the food, you make pasta and you have leftover spaghetti, you put the spaghetti in a plastic storage container, the next day, the spaghetti's got phthalates in it. Now, there's no evidence that the amount of phthalates that leach <laughs> from the plastic container into spaghetti is toxic to humans. But it leach, and then you eat the spaghetti, so you get a little more exposure. So what, So you go to my book, and you go to the three URLs that I've got in there. Here's where you get glass storage containers. And so you go to the, mileskimble.com, you go to Amazon, you go to the other one, and you say, well, th- those are. oh, I really like those. And you order three round ones and two square ones and one for the pies. You pay with your credit card, hit send. It took you an hour, but you're done. That's it for the week. Next week, you're going to go back in and you're going to say, okay, this week I'll deal with nail polish. Because if you put nail polish on, within three to five minutes, the phthalates from the nail polish are in your bloodstream. Now, there's no evidence that the amount of phthalates <laughs> that leach from nail polish into the bloodstream is toxic to humans. That, that's how they get away with this, and but but you'll go to the website, you're, you'll go to the three two or three URLs for organic cosmetics and organic nail polish, and then you'll order them and you'll try it out. Say oh, I don't really like that stuff, I'll order the other one. And the order oh I like that, good, I'll start using that one. That you just have to go item by item by item by item, and it's overwhelming to try to do it all at once. So the first and the most actually the first. And the most important thing you can do is drink a half ounce of water per pound body weight every day. Mm -hmm. Critically important that you have a highway that can escort this stuff out of your system. Critically important. Half ounce of water per pound body weight every day. Critically important. The second thing you do is allocate one hour a week to this and be at peace that you're only allocating one hour a week. Because in six months, you got this you got this, and you've changed your exposure. You've changed your environment. Remember I said about um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, epigenetics? Yes. What what determines if you make a healthier cell or a more diseased cell? Mm -hmm. The environment around the cell, the epigenetics. You have to get this toxic crud out of your body, and it'll take you a year to two years to get this stuff out as you minimize your exposure, and then activate your detox pathways to get this stuff out. It doesn't come out in two weeks. You know, but you'll understand all this as you read the book, and say, oh, that 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 makes sense. Really, there's no magic pill I can take and keep living the lifestyle I'm living? No, there's not. You have to change the lifestyle that's caused the accumulation of all this stuff.
0: That's certainly a very powerful message. Now- Tom, I, w- I was wondering, and I've been wondering this for for a while, what is the key thing that you know now that you'd wish you'd known when you started treating patients to begin with, in regards to cognition, that is?
1: That's a really good question. And uh, the key thing that I wish I knew then that I know now is the critical importance of detoxification because we are the first two generations, maybe two and a half, almost three generations, that are being exposed to literally thousands of chemicals every day. No one before us has had that. You know, we're in a, um, a uh, Airbnb right now that we just checked into, and as I'm looking around this kitchen, I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five little control panels on the wall there, all made of plastic. And there's three remote control panels next to them, all made of plastic. The countertops are pressboard. They soak pressboard in formaldehyde. If it's not solid wood, it's pre- you know, press pressboard. Yes. That stuff is soaked in formaldehyde. The plastic blinds on the windows here, the curtains, I'm sure, have been soaked in flame-retardant chemicals. Now, I've never heard of anyone whose life was saved because they were sleeping in pajamas or under sheets and blankets that had been soaked in flame retardant chemicals and there was a fire and their life was saved because they were in flame retardant clothing and flame retardant bedding. Mm -hmm. But that stuff outgasses. It doesn't matter if you've washed your your pajamas 30 times. It still outgasses minor amounts of these chemicals. And you breathe in the chemicals. So, you know, if you look around the world that you're in now, this is the second generation, maybe two and a half generations, that we're just exposed to this every day and we accept it as normal. And it's not. So, if I knew then what I know now, I would have taught every single patient the importance of including the detoxification protocols as part of everyday living, to stop, to keep this stuff from accumulating in your body.
0: Huge, huge. Okay. Well, I think that's got the message across. It certainly has with me. Um, what I'm Also, another thing that I was curious about, and I wrote this down um, whilst you were speaking, what are you most curious about in the emerging health space now? Because we've touched upon chemicals, but is there something else which you think is the next big issue?
1: Uh, the indifference of people and people wanting to be comfortable and just give me a pill. What pill do I take so I can keep living my lifestyle the way I want?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is the primary danger that uh, we've never experienced before. You know, our 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 cultures are getting more and more comfortable as uh, in our lifestyle, as the uh, financial Uh, aspect of life is getting tougher but we just want things comfortable we want them easy you know uh, back in the 60s they came up with the slogan the chemical industry came up with the slogan better living through chemistry and and they brainwashed everyone to think this is really great so in the 70s the hippies took better living through chemistry and took it into psychedelic drugs you know, and it kind of did an offshoot of that. But the, the amount of chemicals we're exposed to has never been recorded in history before, and it's every day. And the newest threat to us, it's a whole other discussion, is 5G and the electromagnetic pollution we're getting. So you have a toxic body whose immune system is being inhibited by the amount of electromagnetic pollution and uh, this 5G network that we're now being exposed to. And uh, one in three dies with Alzheimer's. Do you get the significance of that? One in three. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're dealing with. And uh, uh, it's, it's a train a uh, locomotive that's going down the road at a really quick pace, Ben. Really quick pace.
0: That that is something which comes up more often than not. The the worry that elect- electromagnetic frequencies and it's something like from the 1930s. It's a billion times more exposure than what we had. Than, that's right. Than then, yeah. So it's it truly is incredible. And um, I think as more research comes out of it, out on it, I'm going to have to do a podcast on it at some point. I'm going
1: to, but we One can't would get think into- so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's overwhelming, everyone who's listening to this. It's overwhelming for me. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. That's why you allocate one hour a week and you be patient and you have kindness for yourself, understanding that you have to develop a, a, a big picture view with enough knowledge that you change lifestyle to prevent these things from happening. And uh, it takes kindness for yourself to do that because people aren't kind. They want it now. I want the answers right now. And if you don't have the answers right now, then it's uh, uh, extremely frustrating and you look for um, uh, something else that will give you what you want right now. You know, there's a really great quote that came from the third century B.C., Uh, So that's, what, 5,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. and it's still so relevant today. Prevention is the ultimate principle of wisdom. To cure a disease after it has manifested is like digging a well when one is thirsty or forging a weapon after the war has begun. So I'm hoping that with podcasts like Ben's podcast and hearing What's I, I know it's intense, hearing this kind of message, you understand that prevention is how you need to protect you and your family. First off, you need to detox and get the crud out and then prevent as much future exposure as possible, maintaining a healthy detox pathway. Critically important that you so that you don't become one of the statistics of one in three whose brains are so fried over the years that they've got Alzheimer's by the time they're in their 60s or 70s. I've
0: got the last two questions, which I ask everyone on the show, Tom. Um, what is the most, and this is probably the big ticket question, I think, what is the most impactful change that you have ever made to your brain and health, and why?
1: Half ounce of water per pound body weight to flush this stuff out. I I don't know of anything that has a more profound impact than that. And then the second thing would be check to see if you need to go gluten-free. It is so very, very common and gets such dramatic results. uh, If you've crossed the line of tolerance and you are making antibodies to wheat, meaning your adaptive immune system has kicked in, um, and it affects every tissue of your body, every single tissue. So uh, those are the two things that uh, I think are most profound.
0: Normally I ask for three, which is the follow-up question. So if you got a third in there, Tom?
1: No, that's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just a, a last and final one. How do you think these kind of modalities and ways of thinking that you outlined can be better implemented into general healthcare practices?
1: Uh, by By shows like yours. <laughs> by by people listening and have that shock moment, yes. you know, shock, shock and awe. It's like, what, what did you say? Seven points lower IQ because I've used fingernail polish for the last 25 years, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So listening to podcasts like yours and you ask really good questions, Ben, you do your homework ahead of time and don't ask introductory basic questions. you, you you do a deep dive, and I'm sure your listeners really appreciate that. And you're you're welcome to take this quote and market this if you want. That uh, um, I appreciate you because of the depth of preparation you do before your interviews. It oh. makes a difference.
0: Thank you very much, Tom. I hugely appreciate that. Um, Tom, it's, or Dr. Tom, it's been a huge pleasure to have you on the show for the second time. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself and learned a lot again, and I'm sure everyone else has. Um, but before you go, could you please tell everyone where they can find you and what exciting projects you have coming up?
1: Oh, thank you. Um, well, the book is called You Can Fix Your Brain, uh, number one in seven categories on Amazon for brain and nervous system function. You know, I'm very proud of that because it's really a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing, our website is thedr.com, thedoctor.com. Just don't spell the word doctor out. <laughs> and uh, I put together a brain masterclass. You want to really dial this down. The brain masterclass, it's 87 videos. Some are six minutes long. Some are 25 minutes long. Uh, you register for this thing. You can do it at your own pace. Uh, uh, it, it It changes people's lives because... They understand the big picture, you know, and there's no time frame um, once you're registered that you have to watch it within a week or two weeks. I mean, you've, you've got unlimited access to it. And I'm very proud of it because I do a deep dive on every topic that I've learned about for brain function. Um, so there are the things that are listed in the book and then more than what's in the book. It's called the Brain Masterclass. You'll find it at the dr.com.
0: Fantastic. And I will list everything that we've spoken about today, including the papers and research papers, in the show notes. Tom, thank you so much for coming on again. I've had a wonderful time and I hope that we can speak again
1: soon. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or our website, and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support.